My name is Michael Raziel, and today, my incredibly special guest, I have four-time Paralympic athlete Rudy Garcia Tolson. He is a two-time gold medal winner. He is a two-time silver medal winner and a bronze medalist at the Paralympic Games. Rudy, how you doing today, man? I'm doing well. A little hot out here in Southern California, but we're surviving. I was going to say, boo-hoo, you're in Southern California, life must be difficult. But Rudy, very excited to get to chat with you today a little bit about what this extra year, waiting for Tokyo for an extra year, what it's going to be like. But first, if you don't mind telling us a little bit about yourself, obviously you are a Paralympic athlete. You did have surgery at a very young age to amputate both of your legs above or below the knee. So you you can correct that for me, but tell me a little bit about your backstory if you don't mind. Absolutely. So I am 31 years old now. And I was living full time in New York City uh, and with uh, the pandemic uh, happening and the uh, postponement of the Olympic and Paralympic Games, uh, I've decided to make a go for it and and relocate. So I'm currently in Southern California and I, as you said, am a Paralympic athlete. I am also the first double above the knee amputee to finish an Ironman triathlon, which I did in 2009. Took me 16 hours and six minutes, so a very long day. Uh, but sports has really been my life since I you know, was very young. And for me, my story did not start with, with the goal of going to the Paralympics or traveling around the world. It really started with one goal in mind, and that was to beat a kid with legs. That's all I wanted to do. So for me, when I was born, I was born with multiple birth defects. And my biggest challenge was that my legs were webbed at the knee. So if you can imagine the way you're sitting down, I was never fully able to stretch my leg out and and walk, but also stand and and balance. And so it was confined to a wheelchair. Um, At birth, the doctors told my parents that we should amputate my legs through the knee and I might have a better chance at uh, potentially using prosthetic legs. Uh, I might might have a better chance of mobility of being a kid. Uh, and my parents refused to to have my legs amputated when I was born because they didn't want me to come back and question their decision. So I went through about 15 operations from when I was born to, to five years old. And so I, I really, I grew up in a hospital. I have an older brother and three older sisters. And I knew very young that I was different and that my life was going to be different than theirs. Uh, so, and in and, and short, I grew up really quick and being in and out of the hospital, the operating room, uh, having stitches and, uh, and just, you know, being, having to experience that at such, such a young age, uh, I, I, I really came to the realization that I, I, I wasn't going to be able to be a kid if I continued on the path that I was on, which was trying to correct and save my legs. And at the age of five years old, you know, you hear a lot of things going on when, when the doctors come in to talk to your parents and tell them updates on what's working and what's not working. Uh, I realized that the best route, I think, would be to have my legs amputated through the knee. And so I remember when I was five years old, I remember telling my parents that I wanted to have my legs amputated at, at, and I wanted to try to try to live with, with prosthetic legs. And I think with me being okay with that, uh, I really gave my parents the strength to go go ahead and have my legs amputated. And so um, at the age of five, the doctors removed my, my legs through the knee on both sides. So I do still have kneecaps, but I do not have any knee joints in there. Uh, and, and so the bottom of my, my legs are, are really bony, which, which is a good thing on my case because that allows me to 
to run and walk on them from ex for extended periods of time. So I had my legs amputated, and one of the one of the first sports that I got, I got into when I was young was swimming. And I chose swimming for one. My dad suggested that I learn how to swim since I live in Southern California, but also. I didn't need to wear legs in the pool, and for me, that was that was the the, the deal deal breaker, because at the time, my first first pairs of legs for my first five years of life were very and were very not very they weren't very strong. They, they weren't geared for kids. They were geared for your older patients who may have diabetes or or other other um, uh, challenges that that that. that that made them go into and use a prosthetic. So for me, when I got my first pair of legs, uh, they were heavy, they were uncomfortable, uh, and, and I couldn't really have too much mobility in them. So the, the, the thought of taking them off and jumping into the water was, was, was for me was, was a no brainer. And when I, when I first started swimming, I, I actually joined a, a swim team here in Southern California. And I was the only kid on the team with a physical disability. So I stood out like a sore thumb. Everybody knew who I was. They all referred to me as the boy with no legs. And it was just the easy way, easy way to identify me. And through that all, I, I really, did not like that term. Uh, of course, I smiled and I, I I played along with with the role, but deep down inside, I knew that I was just more I was more than just a boy with no legs. So that's really when I set my first goal and my first being able to accomplish my first goal, which was to beat a kid with legs. Uh, it really gave me the idea that I needed to think bigger and I needed to think all the way at the top and that next goal for me was to go to the 2004 paralympic games in swimming and my parents were were, were, were it gave me a lot of knowledge about what the paralympics were uh it was for challenge athletes who wanted to take their athletic ability to the top and for me that's what i had in mind i wanted to go to the top and when I was eight years old, I told my parents and everybody around me that I want to go to the 2004 Paralympic Games and being able to work towards that goal. And uh, eight years later, being able to accomplish that goal, it really gave me a mindset of it doesn't matter what challenges you have. If you set goals in your life, whether they be one year, two years, eight years down the road, and you work towards those goals on a daily basis, you can accomplish and do anything. And that's really one of the biggest takeaways that I, that I got from uh, having this, this goal of going to the Paralympics. Uh, it was to uh, prove others wrong, but also I wanted to prove to myself that I was more than just a boy with no legs. And I think being able to have that single goal, the first goal, which was to beat a kid with legs, I just didn't want to come in last because really my whole childhood was there was a lot of last. I used to come in last in swim meets. I used to come in last in running races. I used to come in last. I was to pick last at all my sporting events in school. And that's just something that I, just didn't, I didn't like and I wanted to change. So with one goal in mind, it took me really all around the world. I love that, man. I mean, what an incredible story. And exactly, as you said, you've been able to go all around. And, and it's it, the, the interesting part to me is, you know, even at a very young age, you had that ver you had that first goal. Okay, you want to beat a kid with legs. And as you said, it took six months. How long along those six months and then the next goal of going to the Paralympic Games, those eight years, how many times did you say, I might not be able to do this? Absolutely. I think 
you know, we are all human and it's very easy to portray being a positive, upbeat person 100% of the time. And there are people who can do it. But for myself, I definitely had a lot of ups and downs throughout that journey. And even a short goal, which was my first goal, which was to be the kid with legs, you know, in that six month span, you know, I went back to practice. I think I was training about five days a week, an hour a day. And throughout that time, there were there were plenty of, of practices where I just felt like I wasn't getting stronger. I wasn't getting faster. And that ultimate goal of beating the kid next to me just seemed to be almost impossible. But I would def- I can definitely say that hard work pays off. And to be able to 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 think about your craft, think about what you're doing in the water and think of new ways to to become faster and stronger, I think, has has allowed me to accomplish that goal and to have a longer set goal such such as making the 2004 Paralympic team, you know, that's when I was in middle school and I was in high school. And, you know, that's right around the age that, that, that we start to think about what we look like and, 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 and how other people view us. And for me, you know, I really went through a, a hard time when I was in high school being comfortable with who I was. And I was very uncomfortable being the boy with no legs, even though I fought as a young kid to, to, to destroy that image that people had of me, I still viewed myself as the boy with no legs. And being, growing, going through high school, you know, kids are, are, can be very cruel. And, you know, I, I, I had a lot of bullying and I had a lot of kids making fun of me uh, when I was in, in, in middle school and high school. And I think that really, you know, ha- had the power, had the potential to take me off track of my goal, which was to go to the 2004 Paralympic Games. But, you know, through all that, you know, I can definitely say that if it wasn't for the support of my family, my mom driving me to practice, my brothers and sisters always encouraging me, I don't think I wouldn't have made it. I think it's incredible, man. We'll let this truck go by for a second. But I, I, I do think, I think it's absolutely incredible. I think it's amazing. And now with, you know, again, you've been to multiple Paralympic Games already. You've won multiple gold medals, multiple silvers, and a bronze. So you got a nice, uh, probably a very heavy neck from all that. So kudos and congratulations. We appreciate you. what you do there. What now with this postponement? What was that first like? You know, especially something that's been such a constant. You know, every single four years, you know what you're going to do. You're knowing why you're going to do it. Especially in a sport like swimming, the training is very specific to the day. Right. You know exactly what you're doing on a daily basis for this quadrennial, this four year period leading up to the Olympics or Paralympics in your case. What was it like when you heard, hey, we're we're going to have to postpone these Olympic and Paralympic Games most likely for a year. But especially in the beginning, we really didn't have a set date coming out yet. Absolutely. You know, I have been involved and in, 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 uh, been on the national team since 2002 when I was 13 years old. I won my first gold medal when I was 15 years old. And the next 15 years was my life. It was dedicated to my sport and my craft. You know, I lived full time at the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs, where I was part of the resident team. And we would, you know, work out, you know, nine times a week in the pool. We were in the gym three days a week. We were doing a lot of cardio and dry land on our own, um, doing a lot of recovery doing a lot of prehab, making sure that our body was strong and, and fully recovered for the next day. 
And for me, it, it, was, it was definitely a lifestyle. It was a lifestyle choice that I absolutely loved. And it wasn't the competition that I loved the most, but it was more of the training in the day in, day out of seeing the progress one millimeter at a, a day, really, is what you're kind of building. And, and for me, that was something that I just fully, fully loved and enjoyed. And after 2016, after my last Paralympic Games, I made the decision, the hard decision to try something new and try something different. So I ended up moving out to New York City. Uh, I, I ended up working full time for the New York Roadrunners, uh, also doing a lot of private swim coaching and working at a triathlon studio. And as I was in New York City, kind of working uh, a, a, a nine to five and, you know, really being no different than any of the, 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 you know, the, the big business people in New York City as far as going through the routine of waking up, having to go to the city and going home, not necessarily focusing on my athletic career, but more on my, my personal development, um, I realized that I was still missing something and missing that training, that part of being, being part of a team that has one goal in mind and, and is, is, is showing up on a consistent basis and, and giving 110%. I missed that dearly. And I was not able to find that in, in my work. I was not able to find that in the lifestyle that I was living. And, and, and as soon as the, the, the COVID-19 hit, um, you know, being in New York City, uh, everything shut down. And I ended up starting having to work from home back in March. And uh, and I think it was in April or, or May when they announced that the Olympic and Paralympic Games would be postponed the whole year. Now, I was not planning on even making a go for Tokyo. I made the decision back in 2017, 2018 that um, I, I didn't didn't necessarily want to do it. Um, I just felt like I um, I just felt like it was uh, it was it was done and done. I just mm -hmm. felt like I've, I've done that for a number of years. It's time to do something different. Uh, but like I said, deep down inside, I did miss it. And so when that postponement came out, um, within a week, I was all, I was fully committed to making that Tokyo team. And I, I didn't know how I was going to do it because obviously all the facilities are closed uh, across the country. Uh, I was not able to find a pool which uh, as a swimmer is very important. And I, I didn't know, I didn't know if I would even be able to do it, but that's one thing that I love about goals and challenging yourself is that even if you don't see a clear path to that goal, you're going to have to make one. And however you're going to have to do it, there, if there's a will, there's a way. And I absolutely love being in situations that I have no control over only my attitude. And in this situation, the only thing I had full control over was my attitude. And and to, to be able to take control of that and make the decision on my own without any outside influence was something that just excited me to the core. And it felt like I, I felt like I was another 15-year-old kid with the sense of adventure of going uh, to the Paralympics for the first time. And and now, you know, now we're six months down the road and uh, we're coming up on the, the – uh, Paralympic uh, Games opening ceremony, if they were going to happen this year, and to think of to think of uh, the prospect of still having that opportunity to make a team is just incredible to me because you know we us Olympic and Paralympic athletes we live our lives every four years, 
And it literally is one opportunity every four years that we have a chance to make a name for ourselves, to elevate our platform, to to reach people across the globe. And it's 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 uh, it, there's a lot that goes into it. It's not necessarily just waking up and jumping in a pool and 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 you're washing your hands and you're done and done. It's 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 every action that you make outside of the pool that counts. That's gonna that's gonna get you closer to your goal. And it's it's um, you know to, to for have to have the games postponed the whole year is unheard of. And uh, it's for me, it's uh, you know I, I don't want to say it's an opportunity, but it's a chance for me to 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 go back and do what I love. And I am obviously safety in mind is number one priority, but I think it's something that I am fully committed and I'm already on my path. I've been, you know, training full time back already. So it's uh the the that path is starting to clear and I'm look really looking forward to to improving on on, on my on my swimming, uh, on my endurance and strength and to see, you know, what's going to happen here in the next 12 months. I think it's incredible, man. And kudos to you for, you know, as you said, it, it, it's it's an uncomfortable situation. I'm in it as well saying, hey, you know, let me take advantage of what's going on right now, obviously, because we wish it was not happening. I think that's very obvious. But at the same time, if an opportunity presents itself, you're silly for at least not opening that door, right? It's knocking, just open the door. And obviously you did, and it's put you back in this position where now you have the chance to make your fifth Paralympic Games, which is just an incredible number. I love it. You got one hand, you got them full. You already got five medals. You might as well make it five games, see if you can win another couple. But I think it's incredible. You also have some world records. I think I forgot about saying that in the beginning. So sorry. But um, I just think I can definitely say, Michael, that, um, you know, 31 years old now, um, I've been been doing competitive sports for more than half of my life. Um, I've dedicated myself to the Paralympic movement and the movement of adaptive sports and adaptive challenge athletes around the world and the country. And, you know, world records are great. Medals are awesome. But to me, you know, after the games, you know, that everybody, people kind of forget who won the silver and the bronze and sometimes the gold. You know, they, 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 they start to think about the next one. And winning, winning a gold medal is awesome on the day. Um, it really gives you the, the feeling that you've accomplished your goals. And there's, there's, that's probably one of the best feelings that an athlete can, can feel or a person can feel. But, you know, for me, um, you know, like a world record, someone's going to go faster than you regardless some, sometime soon, you know, whether it's next year or in 20 years, there's going to be someone faster. It's just human nature. And I can honestly say that, um, you know, one of the coolest things that, 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 that for me, being who I am, it, it, what's given me the ability is to being able to motivate and inspire the next generation of, 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 of kids. And to me, there, there's nothing, there's nothing better than nothing greater than being able to inspire somebody because you inspire them to inspire somebody else. And it's just a snowball effect. And, you know, for me, I, growing up, I never had any role models. I never had somebody who I can look to as an example on how to ride a bike, on how to walk with two prosthetic legs, on how to run with two prosthetic legs. And so I really had to figure a lot of that stuff out on my own through trial and error and just never really giving up. And so now I'm in a position where I see these young athletes who uh, some of them are five years old, some of them are 10 years old, some of them are already graduating high school who I've met when they were five years old. And to hear them say that, you know, that I've 
played a part in their role on, 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 on developing as a person and an athlete is, is, is much more rewarding than any gold medal or world record can bring because it's something that, um, you know, like I said, it, being able to motivate and inspire somebody uh, is, 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 there's nothing better. There's nothing, nothing better. No gold medal or, or award record could top that. I think that's incredible, man. And a couple of the places that you can help do that through, I know your, your friends, as your shirt and your hat says, the Challenged Athlete Fund, right? And then you also have some friends over at Athlete X Impact where you're able to then inspire athletes and inspire others. So tell us a little bit about those partnerships that you have that allows you to, again, accomplish this mission of helping and inspiring others. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, so I am an ambassador for the Challenge Athletes Foundation, and I've been I've been an ambassador since I was eight years old with them. So I've been working with this foundation for a long time, and it's an organization that gets people to the starting line. People who have a physical challenge and need need some type of support to get to the to get to the starting line, whether that be a running leg, a racing wheelchair, or uh, adaptive sports coaching, whatever it is. We want to see more challenge athletes around the world get to that starting line so they can experience the joy of getting to that finish line. And as you said, I'm also involved with Athlete X Brand, which is an organization that focuses on athletes after they're done with their sports and after they're done with their competing. Because uh, you can ask any of my Paralympic and Olympic teammates, what's, what's, it, what, what's challenging about being an athlete? And they will tell you a lot of times that it's not necessarily challenging being an athlete per se, but the challenge is comes when they're done being an athlete and what comes next. And I can say one of the hardest things about that is, you know, we, we dedicate our lives to our sport. We live our lives once every four years and, and we eat, breathe and sleep our sport. And we look forward to representing our country on the medal stand uh, and at the games. And to, 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 to come to the realization one day that you will no longer be able to athletically keep up with these young guys who are coming in and taking your spot uh, is, is hard because it's, you feel like they're, they're taking something away from you that you've given your whole life to. Uh, but that's the nature of sport. That's why we do it is because we, it's just, Someone comes in is going to be faster than you, and someone's going to come faster than that person. And 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 so when we're done with athletics, when we call it quits and we retire, um, we we're almost in a, a world of unknown. We don't know what we're good at. We don't know who we are because we've always identified ourselves as an athlete. And to 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 be able to provide athletes with the resources and tools and connect network with other organizations and companies around the country uh, enables them to find out what they want to do essentially when they grow up and i always say uh, being an athlete i'm living the dream but when i have to grow up one day you know that's going to be a challenge that i i've already experienced a little bit by being in new york city but uh, to, to be able to help other athletes who who might not know where to go and or what to do is 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 very very rewarding because we're you know those athletes are going to help recruit and inspire the next generation of, of athletes coming. You're incredible, Rudy. And where uh, if people need people need a little juice for their day, where can they find you on social media so they can check Absolutely. some of that out? Yeah, so my my Instagram Rudy Garcia Tolson, and I also have my website RudyGarciaTolson.com. Reach out, I'd love love to hear from you, and um, you know always cheering for you on. And we're always cheering for you, man. Thank you so much, Rudy. Really appreciate your time today. Thank you, Michael.